For just a quick reference, if you're jotting down notes, or if you write in your Bible, above chapter number 1, you could write the heading, Jonah is protesting. Jonah chapter number 2, Jonah is praying. In chapter number 3, Jonah is preaching. And in Jonah chapter number 4, Jonah is pouting. None of those headings has Jonah repenting because I don't believe it ever happened. And that's what we want to try to look at. We've got a whole lot of folks, I think, in our world today that are anti-revival where Jonah was at. What I'm looking for, what I long to see is a bunch of Ninevites who don't, maybe don't know they need revival, but boy, when it hits, they're ready to jump out of their skin to praise the Lord for salvation. Let me read these verses 4 through 17 of chapter number 1, and we'll move on this morning. Well, let's just start in verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up and flew into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with him into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now here's a few messages we're going to skip in this uh, series, so we're going to read through these verses and then move on to what the Lord has laid on us for today's uh, message. But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and carried every man unto his God, uh, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, and that we will, uh, perish not. And they uh, said, Every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah, so that, they, uh, so that they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou, and what is thy country? Doesn't that sound familiar to when uh, they found that boy on their way to get their stuff back from Ziklag, and they found that Egyptian laying in the field? And they said, well, who, uh, who, who did it belong to, and who did thou serve? Ain't that what they just said to Jonah? Here's another one laying in the field. Anyway, we've got to move on. They said unto him, uh, uh, and, uh, and they uh, said unto him, What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, what ha Why hast thou done this? For the men knew he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was, uh, was wrought and was temp tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so the sea shall be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the man rode hard to bring to land, but they could not, for the sea, was, uh, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Against them. You will never, ever, ever one time in your Bible find anybody who was able to row themselves out of a storm. Yes. Not one time will you find that. If you are facing a storm in your life right now, the best thing you'll ever do is throw the oar overboard and ask God to get you out of that storm. Best thing you'd ever do in your life. Get rid of the oars. 
And uh, anyway, nevertheless, the man rode hard toward the land, but they could not, for the sea was rotten, for tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not upon innocent blood uh, uh, for thou, O Lord, hast, uh, hast done it as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men reared, uh, feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We are going to uh, move over those verses and we all can see what happened and, and from all of our great Sunday school teachers throughout the year and messages that have been preached, I do want to bring your attention to just a few things in these verses by way of introduction for today. I noticed a few things in here. Number one, I noticed that there was a furious storm. I noticed the creator of this storm. God has created a lot of things in life that we read about. A lot of accounts. He created the flood. He created the fire that rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah. He created the famine of the hearing of the word. In the book of Amos, he, was, uh, he caused Satan to be cast out of heaven and gave him rule over this earth. All things come back to God. The whole book of Job all happened because God allowed it to. And God allowed this storm to happen on this day. Uh, here we see this word sent out. Uh, we see all kinds of things being sent out uh, in, in, the, uh, uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this book of Jonah. Uh, this word T-U-L, tool, in the Hebrew language, sent out. Uh, God sent out J uh, Jonah unto Nineveh, but he ran and went unto Tarshish. Uh, the, ship, uh, the shipmen, uh, uh, the sailors, they sent out their cargo, threw it overboard, and then they sent out Jonah overboard. There's a lot of things in this book that's being sent out uh, of this, uh, 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 from God, but God is the creator of all of these things. I want you to think about this just for a moment as we are just focusing for a few minutes upon the storm here this morning. I want you to think about how great this storm must have been for the boys who were on the sea for a lifetime to be scared. If those boys are scared, you know it must have been some kind of storm that they were going through. Folks, if you are a child of God in here, if you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, and you are facing something that has brought fear into your life, it might be something great that God has allowed to come into your life to gather your attention. But let me say this to you just for a moment. If you are scared in the middle of that storm, think about your family that's going through that storm with you. Jonah was the one who was sent through this storm and the men who went with him were scared out of their minds. They had no idea why they were there. Jonah knew while he was there, if you are facing a storm this morning, you might know why you're there. And the people who are going through it with you probably have no idea why they're going through it, but they are just as scared as you are. We could preach for a little while on the Creator of the storm. We noticed the character of the storm. It was tempestuous. It was raging. Uh, it was malicious toward them. We see the cause of the storm. Uh, God caused this storm. I want to ask you a question here real quick, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but this is all introduction, so the homilex will let me do that. Uh, let me ask you a question. We asked you last week, we asked you a few questions out of chapter number one and verses one through three. I want to ask you one simple question today, just kind of let you ponder on it for a little while uh, for the next few days or so. Who cast Jonah into the sea? 
Who cast Jonah into the sea? That sounds like a pretty simple question, right? The sailors threw him overboard. Nay, nay. I might have to disagree with you on that. God was the one that threw him overboard. The sailors were just the vessels that he used to accomplish what God wanted to have done. God threw him overboard. I'll give you this little illustration. I promise you I will not preach this whole message. I'm almost done with it. Uh, But I'll give you this little illustration here of a true one. There was a preacher man up in Ohio. I, I could call his name, but I don't like to do that. Uh, but anyway, he was a, he's a pastor up there, and I, I know him a little bit. We talk quite often, or uh, some on, uh, back and forth on text message. Uh, but anyway, he had a, a, a young daughter, and this daughter was uh, outside playing with, I think it was with her cousins maybe, and one of the cousins threw a baseball and hit her right in the mouth. And it broke her teeth out. It's just a little, I mean, just a little, a little tyke like this. It broke her teeth out in the front and they scooped her up and they ran her to the doctor and, and blood everywhere as you can imagine and while she was at the doctor they said they came out and they said my my it is so good that you came in here today and he said why is that and they said we have found cancer in the roof of your daughter's mouth and she was able to have surgery to help that child live whereas they said if you had waited a little while longer it would have made it to her brain and we would not have been able to operate on that so let me ask you the same question who threw the ball that day her little cousin or did God do it who threw Jonah overboard God threw Jonah overboard to accomplish something in his life that Jonah may not have done on his own if you are facing a storm today there is a great possibility that God is trying to accomplish something in your life that you don't know that you need We see the cause of the storm, the character of the storm, the creator of the storm. We see the fearful sailors, the desperation uh, was stifling in the sailors. The dreamer that was snoozing, the delinquency that is shown. Then we see the at-fault saint. There was an interrogation that was growing. There was an induction that was given. And then we see the fishes swallowing. The fish, that great fish came up and took Jonah down into the belly of hell as we'll find out today into the belly of hell. So now we have Jonah, and there's a whole lot more we could say out of those verses. But now we have Jonah in the belly of the well or in the belly of the fish this morning. And this is where we want to get to this morning. If you would stand for the reading of God's Word, we're going to read chapter number 2 and verses 1 through 10 today. Then Jonah, then Jonah, listen to this, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God out of the fish's belly and said, oh, here's another question. I want to ask you another question here. Hang on, let me interrupt myself. I want, I want somebody in here, if you would, to count. To count how many times you see a personal pronoun used by Jonah in his prayer, starting in verse number 2 and extending through verse number 9. The word like I, me, mine. All, see how many times you see that, that possessive personal pronoun used by Jonah in these verses, starting in number 2. And said, I cried by the reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about. And all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, and I will look again uh, toward thy holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The death closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. 
I went down to the bottom of the mountains, and the earth with her bars uh, was upon me. Forever yet, uh, uh, forever yet hast thou brought me my life from the corruption. O Lord my God, when my soul fainteth within me, I remembered the Lord. Listen to that. I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee in thine holy temple. They, observe, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pray uh, that, that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. There's a whole lot that needs to be said out of this chapter. And I'm going to do my very best this morning to try to say all that the Lord has laid upon my heart. You may be seated as we are trying to prepare for revival coming up here uh, in just a few more weeks. And I don't know about you, but I am excited about it. Starting today, I was supposed to be leaving out after service this morning. And heading over to Taylorsville, North Carolina, having two services a day, people shouting, running the aisles, walking the backs of pews, you know, that's, that's you know, how I kind of grew up and, you know, what I like to be around. I was supposed to have been there all week long, two services a day, uh, but it's worked out I'm not going to be able to go this week. I needed to be there this coming week. I'll go ahead and tell you that I needed to be there. I needed to be around some good old shouting and people who, uh, who, want, uh, who wants to come. That's the difference when you go to a camp meeting and when you go to a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday when you get there, people are looking for a reason to worship the Lord. They're just, just give me a reason uh, to worship the Lord today is what it's like when you walk on those campgrounds. But I'm not going to be able to go, so now I'm ever looking forward to the revival services we're going to have here in July the 9th. Uh, you may have to tie me down here starting that Sunday morning. But I want to look at verses 1 through 6. Let's look at Jonah's despair here just for a moment. Jonah's despair here just just for a moment. Jonah finally realizes his depravity. Jonah finally realizes the state in which he is in. This is the first time that Jonah decides to pray. Uh, whenever God told uh, Jonah uh, to go unto Nineveh. Nope. Did not pray. Whenever the storm started coming up over that boat. Nope. Jonah did not pray. Whenever Jonah got on the boat. He did not pray. Uh, whenever they threw him overboard. Jonah did not pray. But now that Jonah's life is hanging in the balance. He finally decides to call out upon the God. How many folks in their life wait till it's too late before they start calling out upon the God? And let me go ahead and say, don't let God get you to the point where you got to be in the belly of hell for three days before you decide to start calling out on. Don't let your life dangle over the pits of hell before you'll call out on God. Prayer should be our first option, not a last resort. But here Jonah is in a last resort and he starts calling out upon God finally he starts crying out unto God oh but when he calls out to God uh, what are we here ah me my all these wonderful words all focused upon Jonah oh except for one verse we're going to look at that one here in just a moment uh, but Jonah here says a couple times uh, let me say this in studying the book of Jonah there's two there's two words for the uh, for the name of God that's used number one is the capital 
L, capital O, and capital R, and capital D. That word is used in the book of Jonah for one who is in relationship, who is in good communication with the Lord God of heaven. The other one is capital G, little O, little D. That is reserved, Elohim. That is reserved for those who are out of communication with God. One who has not talked to God in a while. And when Jonah starts calling out unto God, he does not call out into capital L, capital O, and capital R, capital D. He calls out unto capital G, little O, and little D uh, because he is out of communication uh, with God. He has not prayed unto God. And when he calls out unto Him, he knows his plight. He knows where he's at. He knows the sin in his life. And he's out of fellowship with God. And he has to call out and say, God, the one who I've lost communication with, I need to talk to you today. Oh, I would hate... I would hate to have to get down I just this morning a couple times I've had to call out upon God and I'd hate to have to get down and introduce myself again unto Him I'd hate to have to get down and say God this is Chris Smelser don't know if you remember me or not I'm so glad that me and God are in fellowship one with another and we talk back and forth on a daily sometimes it seems hourly basis I said it last week I feel so bad sometimes because I need Him so often but it's the trials I come walking through right now. It's the hard times I come walking through right now uh, that i got to call out on God and I feel so bad for it sometimes but I'm glad I've got a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D God in my life. I've got one that I'm in relationship with. I've got one uh, who I can call out upon His name. Not only does He realize His depravity uh, but He realizes His desperation. I want you to look around what we've talked about. I want you to look around and notice it brother this is a great learning experience for you right now okay I want you to remember that okay Jonah realizes his desperation in his life he uses the word czar T-Z-S-A-R czar that means everything is a closing in on him everything is closing in around him he's trying to work in his life uh, but everything is closing in can anybody empathize uh, with Jonah you feel like your world uh, might be closing in around you you feel like the walls are getting closer you got nowhere to turn you got nothing you can do maybe it's not uh, maybe everything's going good for you right now and that's all right stick this in your back pocket you might need it one of these days uh, but he has affliction uh, that's coming up in his life he has a source of affliction that's coming up in his life that we've already said God is the source of our affliction if Satan is the source of our affliction uh, then Satan has the rule up over us and up over God uh, but as we learned in the book of Job God allows all those things to happen unto us. He is the author and the finisher of all of our faith. God allows those things to happen out the source of the affliction. And then we see the scope of the affliction that will come up in our life that has now come up in Jonah's life. There is an instructive affliction. There is a corrective affliction. And there is an informative affliction. You may be in one of those today. God may be trying to correct your course a little bit. He may be trying to instruct you in your life. He may just be trying to inform you of something. But there will be a scope. There will be a reason for the affliction in your life. None of it is by happenstance. 
We see the scope of the affliction. But now, now, look at the substance of the affliction. Affliction, you can guarantee, will have two points of emphasis in it. Usually, number one, it's going to be pretty painful. Whether that's emotional pain, physical pain, whatever kind, there will be painful. But number two, affliction will always be beneficial. It will always help you in the end. If you come to realize, if you come to do what God wants you to do in your life, it will be beneficial in your life. But here in verse number 2, we find the key verse. Now the Holy Ghost, the King James Bible is not pedantic. Now these new versions of the Bible, they are. What does that mean? The word pedantic means that they assume that you know some information. They just assume you should know this thing. That's why they take out words like begotten. You should just know that Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. I like my Bible to leave all those words in there. But the King James is not pedantic. And the Holy Ghost, whenever this Bible Bible was pinned down. He made sure that he hung the key to the chapter or the key to the book either at the front door of the chapter or the book or the back door of the chapter or the book to make it easily accessible for you. And here in chapter number 2, we have the key to chapter number 2. In verse number 2, I want you to look with me at chapter 2, verse 2. He says, And I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And... And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. I'm so glad that God will hear me when I cry out. I could be in the lowest pits of hell upside down with my face buried in the muck and mire of this world. But God will hear my cry. God will hear my call out unto him. But I want you to notice one thing that was not said by Jonah. A lot of times you can learn a lot by what was not said. And I do a whole lot of listening to what's not said in my life. Uh, but here in verse number 2, you notice what Jonah did not say? And God answered me. He never said God answered me because God has yet to speak to Jonah again since he told him to pack his stuff and head to Nineveh. God has yet to speak to him again. God heard him. God heard his prayer. God heard his cry. But God did not answer him. In all of chapter number 2, there's a whole lot said in what was not said uh, but then we see the sanguineness of the affliction, the source, the scope, the substance of affliction, then the sanguineness of the affliction. What is that? That's just a fancy word for hope. There is hope in your affliction if you are a child of God. And I believe that Jonah is a child of God. I believe he's an Old Testament child of God. If you are a child of God, there's hope in your affliction. Uh, you can rest assured that whatever you may be going through this morning, whatever trial, tribulation, or affliction, whatever, whatever Zara, whatever is closing in around you, those faces of the demons gnawing at you and biting at your face, you can rest assured, you can hope in the Lord that He's there for you and He'll be with you. He'll never leave you and nor forsake you. He'll walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. Praise God! He's woo! Praise God! He's with me all the way. 
holding my hand. The key to this verse, to this chapter is chapter number 22. Well, you say, preacher, why did God not answer him? Well, I think we can find, and I'm not going to get out of this book too often this morning, maybe just two or three times, but look at Psalm 66 and verse number 18. In Psalm 66 and verse number 18, it says something like, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I think Jonah was hiding some iniquity in his heart, and I think God did hear him because Jonah said so. And I can't argue with him on that. Uh, but God heard him but would not answer him I think we got a lot of folks in our world today and I guess I guess it's uh, disappointing that a lot of our church folk in the world today are regarding some iniquity uh, down in their heart I know of a few uh, you may not know that I know it but I know of a few and boy it keeps me all tore up not for me it keeps me tore up for you because I know the iniquity you're hiding down in your heart uh, God allows me to see things I'm not talking talking about some premonition or anything like that. God allows me to see and to hear things that I ought to see and that I ought to sit to hear uh, to protect me in this pulpit. And I heard for you because the iniquity uh, that you're regarding into your heart because God will not hear or answer those prayers if you are. Oh, I think Jonah had some iniquity that he was hiding in his heart and he calls out in verse number 2 and he said I cried out from the belly of hell that's a pretty strong statement that he made he said I cried out from the belly of hell I remember I was over here spreading gravel in the fellowship hall last year uh, sometime before October and uh, I was over there listening to a commentary had my headphones in uh, while I was on that uh, bobcat and I was listening uh, to one man talk about these verses when I was really trying to dig into these and he said over there he said well now Jonah he didn't really die in this uh, in this chapter and then another one I was listening to said Jonah he went to hell in this chapter and had to pray himself back out of hell I hate to say with them but I disagree with both, both men I think they're a lot smarter than I am and they probably got more degrees hanging up on the wall and they definitely got more books published than I'll ever have if they got one that's more than I'll ever have but I have to disagree with them. Uh, number one, I think Jonah did die in the belly of this great fish, in the belly of the whale. But I do not think that God sent him uh, unto hell. And there's two simple reasons, and I will not spend too much time on these. Two simple reasons why I believe that. Number one, uh, is that if you are a child of God, you cannot go to hell. Uh, that's plain and simple. And I've already stated that I think Jonah is an Old Testament child of God. But what I do believe is that when Jonah died in the belly oh why do I think he died let me cover that one first because of Matthew 12 and 40 I'll just use the Bible to define itself because Jesus said as Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights so shall the son of man be in the heart of the earth of three days and three nights now let me tell you what I believe about that I don't believe that he went in some kind of swoon I don't believe in a swoon theory I don't believe he passed out I don't believe 
believe he went to any coma. I believe that Jesus died on that cross and they laid him in a borrowed tomb for three days and three nights. I believe that he visited, hey listen, I believe he visited according to Peter of the pits of hell and took the keys of death and hell according to Revelations and he came out alive on that third and important morning and he said as Jonah was in the belly of the well so shall the son of man be. So what that tells me is that Jonah must have died in the belly of that well but not only did Jonah die in the belly of that well I think God gave him a glimpse of what hell was like. I think God escorted him down there and he said alright son here's what I want you to try to help those people in Nineveh. Here's the great work you're trying to do and opened his eyes unto hell and he saw it there that day. Didn't send him to hell but gave him a glimpse of it that day in chapter number one and Jonah then started praying. He saw the belly of hell and he started praying saying oh God I don't ever want to go back there again and that's why Jonah started all the eyes and the knees. He still wasn't worried about the people in Nineveh. He didn't want to go back there again. Now there's a great commentator, M.R. DeHaan. I rarely ever call out people's names out of the pulpit, but if you ever got an opportunity uh, to read after M.R. DeHaan, I've not read every book he's got. I've read quite a few of them, and the ones I've read I really enjoy. He's a very simple writer, and I like the way he writes, and I like the way he explains things. He's got an entire book dedicated uh, to why he thinks Jonah died. And not that I would believe M.R. DeHaan over anybody else, but it's just nice to sit and talk with somebody through the pages of a notebook uh, that he and I kind of think alike and I can see what I'm thinking on the pages. Uh, But anyway, uh, that's what I think happened here in this chapter that Jonah got a glimpse of hell and God was trying to send him out on a missionary journey. You know, that's what folks who who go over to these uh, foreign countries and third worlds, that's why they can do that and they can go to the ends of the earth to reach these lost souls because they've got a glimpse of hell at some point in their life. They know what it's really about. Sometimes it's hard to get a glimpse of hell when we're sitting in our air-conditioned buildings with our padded pews and the preacher gets done in 30 minutes so we can be home by noontime uh, to have our supper or have our lunch and have our dinner on time. Sometimes it's hard to get a true picture of hell like that. Uh, but when you get a real vision of hell, uh, you'll, you'll desire not to see people go there anymore. Jonah was still backslidden on God and even seeing a glimpse of hell. A glimpse of hell. Now, I was listening to one man. <laughs> I was listening to one man preaching. And he said, uh, he said, now these people that tell you that Jonah died in the belly of the well, he said, don't you believe them when you hear that. He said, that's, t- that's too, I mean, he said, he, said, he said, that's one too many miracles in the book of Jonah. Uh, folks, let me tell you something. You can have all the miracles in the Bible you want because I'm going to believe every last one of them. I'm just dumb enough to believe exactly what the Bible says. And I believe I serve a God who can kill him in a well and take him and show him the pits of hell and bring him back to life three days later. I serve a God that big. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10 will back us up on that. That if thou shalt confess with the mouth Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you truly believe in your heart that God can raise his own son from the dead then he can raise you and me from the dead. We were lost and on our way to hell and he raised us from the dead. And Jonah 
realizes his depravity. He realizes his desperation. He realizes his descent. Jonah realizes he's in the depths of despair. I was uh, uh, sent this out a while back about the death story that a man had shared. Said that he died, uh, was dead for uh, two weeks on this side of, of reality. But on the other side of reality, I think he was dead for like three months. And he said while he was dead, he was in this uh, uh, swamp area. And he was in this swamp area. He could look over there and he could see this really good place. And he could look over there and he could see this really bad place. But there was no place for him to cross. He was not good enough to go there. But he was not bad enough to go there. And he couldn't go one way or another. And so when he came back to life out of his coma two weeks later, he realized that he needed to live the good life so he could go to the good place whenever he died. Folks, let me tell you, when you close your eyes in death, you ain't waking up in no swampland. You're either waking up in heaven or you're waking up in hell. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, as your personal Savior, if you've never confessed with your mouth that He is the Lord Jesus Christ and called unto Him for salvation, you will open your eyes in hell. There is no priest who can pray you out. Uh, There is no amount of money that can buy you out of purgatory. You will open your eyes in hell. But thank God on the other end of that, if you've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, you'll never darken the doors of hell. You'll never step foot into that awful place of sin. And thank God for that. Oh, but now we see Jonah praying and he calls out and I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord and he hurt me out of the belly well. But we know what we've not heard yet. We've not heard any repentance from God or from Jonah. We've not heard any repentance. As a matter of fact, we'll look over Uh, the rest of this chapter and Jonah will quote numerous psalms I think more than 12 psalms that he'll quote in this one chapter of 10 verses and Jonah never once repents to God for the sin that he had in his life Folks, you can quote all the Bible verses you want. You can have every one of them stored up in your mind, but that won't get you to heaven. That won't get you out of sin's clutching jaws. It's good to have those things around. It's good to have them uh, those times when you're in deep despair. But if you want to enter into heaven, there is only one way. There is only one door. There is the blood of the Lamb that you will enter in. It's not through a Bible. It's not through a church. It's not through a preacher. It's not through grandma or grandpa it's through the precious blood of the lamb of god that we will enter in and we can quote them all day long and i think it was christ whenever he was on on the cross was quoting psalm after psalm matter of fact uh, somebody if you would at some point turn over to psalm 22 and verse number one and read what it says as christ was quoting that verse my god my god why hast thou forsaken me it's psalm 22 and one as he was hanging there between heaven and hell uh, taking our sin and our stripes and bearing our pain for himself he said my god my god why hast thou forsaken taken me. He's quoting a psalm. It would be good for you to learn some of the psalms. There is a psalm for every season. There is a psalm for every reason. For the good times, the bad times, the hard times, the wet times, the dry times. There is a psalm for every reason and every season. But that psalm still will not save your soul. That psalm will not allow you to enter into heaven. It's only through the blood of the Lamb. I'm glad one man said 
said it, 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 we shouldn't exhaust ourselves uh, trying to uh, uh, trying to resolve whether Christ truly died upon the cross. Oh, brother, let me tell you, it may not be important to him. It may not even be important to you. But it all it is always important for me to understand that Christ died upon that cross just as Jonah died in the belly of this well. He died upon that cross because I was a nobody and I had no way of entering in. It was only through his blood that I'll be able, able to do that. The old song says when he was on the cross, now I was on his mind. I thank God for that. We need to move on. Look if you would. Look if you would. Oh, let me. I'm trying to move ahead of myself. Oh, verse number four. Let's move on to verse number four. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Well, that sounds pretty good now, don't it? Sounds like Jonah's starting to get things right with God. Uh, but here, let me let me ask you this. Uh, did anybody ever tell you when you was growing up, mom ever tell you to clean your room and you didn't clean your room? Or did mom ever tell you to mow the yard and you didn't mow the yard? Did anybody ever do that? Or like my papa's house, we had to feed the hogs, feed the chickens, uh, and all those good things. And if you didn't do it, papa was coming after you. He didn't care if he's a grand youngin' or not. He's going to whip you high in for not doing what he said. Anybody ever had that before happen in your life? Well, Jimmy, I know you're a good one, man, but I mean, everybody been a time or two you didn't go clean your room and then mama comes in there and she's upset and she's got the broom handle or she's got the paddle or something like that and she comes in there can you just imagine Miss Darla coming in after little Jack saying I told you to clean this room son and little Jack just perks up and says well mama I know you told me to clean my room but I washed the dishes for you mama that's what I did for you is that going to stop her from whipping his hind end it may slow her down because she's awful nice but that ain't going to stop God if God tells you to go and do something and you, he comes until you says, hey, I told you to clean your room. You say, but God, I didn't do that. I put more money in the offering plate. You know what God's going to say? I didn't ask you to do that. I told you to do such and such that will not stop the wrath of God. This is what Jonah does. God told Jonah to head to Nineveh and to preach salvation unto that God-forsaken crowd. And whenever God called him out and sent him down in the belly of hell, what did Jonah do? He said, God, I will turn again unto your temple. If you get me back to Jerusalem, I'm just let me let me expound on this. He said, if you get me back to Jerusalem, I will not miss a church service. I will look again unto your church house, God. I will be there every Sunday morning. I will be there every Sunday night. I'll be there every Wednesday night. I'll show up and mow the yard. I'll go even when we have a special sing at. I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. And God looked at Jonah and said, I didn't ask you to go to the temple in Jerusalem. I told you to go to Nineveh. Jonah still has yet to repent unto God. It sounds pretty good if you just read it at face value. Sounded like Jonah was getting right. He was still trying to get out of it. He's still trying to get out of it. Here in verse number 4, he says, I will go under your temple in Jerusalem. And God says that's not what we talked about. But look at number two. We see Jonah's despair. Now I want to look at verses seven through nine. Let's look at Jonah's dedication. Jonah's dedication. First of all, I noticed there was a remembering. There was a remembering. Look at verse number seven. And when my soul fainted within me, 
I remembered the Lord and my prayer came into thee and into thy holy temple. Jonah said, I remembered the Lord. That sounds pretty good. I'm at least glad Jonah remembered God. There's a lot of folks who have forgotten God. And he says, but I remembered the Lord. But I want to compare this if we can just for a moment. I just want to compare this to Brother Noah's account. Whenever Noah was found in a God-forsaken time, and God told him to build a boat, and Noah was in question about it to start with. But then he said, all right, God, I'm going to build this boat, but I ain't got a clue what you're talking about. What the Bible say? And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible says that God remembered Noah. Jonah remembered God. But God remembered Noah. I tell you what, given the option of the two, I'd rather God remember me any day because my mind's forgetful. I'd hate to get into a situation where I had to call back to my mind and say, oh yeah, I remember God now. Where did Jonah get to in his life that he had to start remembering God again? He must have gotten awfully far away from God. He must have been backslidden on God. Oh my goodness, preacher. Did you use that term backslidden in a church house? Uh, Yes, I did. Jeremiah 3.22 uses it. They were backslidden. So I think it'll be alright if I use it too. Jonah was backslidden. He forgot God, but he remembered Him. Oh yeah, I remember God. Oh, thank God that He does not forget us. Even when we forget Him from time to time, not only we see the remembering, but there is a reply. Jonah says in verse number 8, now Jonah here, Jonah's going to get a little preachy. If you just listen, he's going to preach a little bit to God. Okay? And that's always a good idea, right? Just give him your best sermon you got, right? So here's what Jonah does. He says, oh yeah, in verse number 7. He says, I remember God. And then he goes on in verse number 8. And look what he says. He says, they. Whoop, there's a different pronoun he just used. I thought he was saying, I and me. But all of a sudden now, he's going to switch it. It ain't no longer about Jonah. It's about everybody else now. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Boy, he switched gears real fast, didn't he? And I and me and mine, I and me and God me this and I that. And you left me here and, and I did this and I was trying to, but I remembered the God. And all of a sudden now, verse number eight, he switches gears on her. And he says, but they, they observe lying vanities. They forsake their own mercy. Oh, now... Yeah, Jonah's going to preach to God a little bit. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot the verse right there where God spoke back to him. No, I didn't. God still ain't spoke. And he ain't going to speak to Jonah for the entire chapter. I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. He's not going to speak for the entire chapter. But he says, they uh, that observe the lying vanities uh, forsake their own uh, their own uh, uh, mercy. I want to look at these lying vanities for a moment. These sinful things of Satan. Uh, Jonah talked about it, uh, so we might as well uh, look at it just for a moment here. I notice a few things about these lying vanities that Jonah brings up. Number one, I notice the illusion of the lying vanities. Has Satan ever promised you anything? 
Oh, man, he'll make you all sorts of promises, won't he? He'll promise you goods. He'll promise you riches. He'll promise you health and wealth and all those good things. But all that is just an illusion of the lying vanity. Satan not only has the illusion of the lying advantages that offer the empty results, but then we see the industry of the lying vanities. You realize, people, people are giving up their morals, their ethics, their values, their, their families, their friends, uh, their love, and, and hundreds of precious other things in this world, all because of the false lies of lying vanities that they serve. All oh, the lying vanities, the, the industry of this children today are slaughtered and butchered by the thousands, all for convenience, all for the sake of money, all for the sake of having a good time, and all the other things these lying vanities are promising. Let me say this. I believe at the moment of conception, that child is part of this world, it is part of this earth, and that mama is now a mama, and that daddy is now a daddy at that moment, and we don't have an option anymore uh, to say or to, uh, to lose that life. People are sacrificing to the lying vanities, their marriages right and left. The sanctity of marriage has left out, uh, crept in slowly and unaware that marriage now uh, has, doesn't have the same uh, value that it once had. Oh, people have given and taken in marriage all over the place. Seventy uh, percent, one study, in certain, in certain demographics, seventy percent of kids are without a father in their life. Seventy percent. Marriage, given and taken in marriage. Oh, let me tell you the lying vanities, the lying vanities of this world, the infliction of the lying vanities. He says they forsake their own mercy. These lying vanities will leave you heartbroken, lying in the gutter, lying in the belly of hell. Jonah was doing exactly what he was accusing them of doing. They were, he was worshiping the lying vanities of this world. Jonah was worshiping himself. He was worshiping self-will rather than what God wanted him to worship. Jonah knew Jonah knew what was needed of him, but yet he turned his back on God and walked the other way. Let's look now. Not only is there a remembering and a reply, but then there is a recompense, and I'm almost finished. Uh, there are sacrifices that Jonah has to make, or that we have to make, and Jonah needs to make in these verses. In verse number 9, he says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I've owed. Salvation is of the Lord. The first thing he says is a sacrifice. Now, did anybody count the eyes, me's, and mine's in there? Did anybody come up with a number around 25 or so? Is that about how many you come up with, Brother Hayden? About 25 times you'll see the I and the me and the my in there. Jonah was not willing to sacrifice himself. Jonah was not willing to lay aside that selfish pride. Jonah was not ready to lay aside his self-will and to do what God wanted. And now because of that, he has become the anti-revival. He has become the prodigal prophet of God, supposed to be headed to Nineveh, but now he's down in the belly of hell uh, because he's running from God and not willing to sacrifice unto God. 
Oh, we've talked about it before over in Hebrews chapter number 13, verses 15 through 18. Sacrifices that please the Lord. We had a great church service that day. We had people shouting and praising God that day. Oh, what a beautiful and wonderful day it was. But here Jonah was not willing to sacrifice unto God. God was requiring things of Jonah that he would not give. But he said, God... I'll go to your temple. And he says here in verse number 9, he says, I'll pay you, God. I'll put more in the offering plate for you, God. I said, that ain't what I ask of you. Jonah, I want you to go preach the word of God. I want you to go do my will, Jonah. And Jonah had his back turned on God. Oh, we can read about the sacrifices. Then he swears unto God. He makes a vow. He makes a vow unto God. Look what he says there in verse number 9. I will sacrifice i will pay and he says salvation is of the lord god i promise you i'm going to do these things our promises are nothing unto god you can promise god everything you want to promise him what are we willing to sacrifice what are we willing to do for god that's what he's looking at god is looking and then we see now in verse number 10 we see finally god speaks again He says in verse number 10, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. God is so disgusted with Jonah. After this prayer, we don't know how long this prayer lasted. We know that Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights. We know that he prayed an eight-verse prayer. But I have a feeling that, that prayer was a little bit longer than what I just read. I have a feeling that for three days and three nights, Jonah was crying out unto God. And I have a feeling that Jonah never repented in those three days, lest it would have been in our Bible. I have a feeling it was a lot of the same. God, I'll do this. And God, I'll be that. And God, I'm going to do this. And God, if you just let me go, you'll never see somebody that's uh, going to go to your house with their hair on fire like I will. But I don't think it happened. I think for three days and three nights, Jonah tried to bargain and reason with God, and God finally got so disgusted of it, he talked to the fish before he talked to Jonah. And he told the fish to spit Jonah out. Folks, let me tell you, we're needing a revival in our land today. We're needing a revival. As we sit here in our church houses, in what used to be the good old-fashioned Baptist churches, y'all come get a song, I'm done. As we sit in our good old-fashioned church houses, that used to sing unto the glory of God. That used to preach the word unadulterated and unfiltered. People used to worship God when they would come in the back doors. And now we sit on our hands uh, in our comfortable pews while we got transvestites in the court in the White House lawn taking their shirts off this past week. And we all just sit here like it's okay. It'll never make it down here to where we're at. Hang on, folks. The belly of hell is coming as you stand to your feet. I don't mean to be depressing to you. Folks, we need to understand the severity. The severity of the revival that we need in our life. We need it in our hearts. We need it in our church. We need it in our family. We need a revival as they sing for 